Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Get ready for another episode of Sherry Clip with your host, Sherry Johnson. This episode is brought to you by iPrepGenius.com. iPrepGenius believes every child is capable of genius. We seek to help teachers select the exact apps geared towards common core learning standards that maximize a child's potential to learn. For more information, visit iPrepGenius.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sherry Clip. Once again, tonight, I had to bring back a really wonderful guest. His name is Jim Farrell. Jim, welcome to the show tonight. Thank you, Sherry. Hi, Jim. Um, for our live listeners tonight, if you could just tell us who you are and what you're all about, and we'll get right into this. Okay, uh, Jim Farrell. Uh, I retired a few years ago down and living in Florida now, and when I retired in 1973, I finally, and we talked about this the first time I was on the show, I finally put together and finished the, a novel I had been working on for 40 years. And it was originally called The Scare Was Passed On, and it, it was published as Brooklyn Boy, which I think is a much better title. So I had a young boy growing up in New York, Brooklyn and Long Island, back when the Dodgers were still in Brooklyn. And it's just a wonderful story. He meets and falls in love with a young Puerto Rican girl, which, of course, his very strict mother doesn't think is appropriate. But So the whole story is about growing up in New York and Long Island during those wonderful days and the conflict the boy has between his home life and this love he has for this young Puerto Rican girl. That was my first novel. And then in retirement, I finished a second novel, which people say is, is my best, The Extraordinary Banana Tree about the fall of Saigon. I was there with our America in Saigon right till the end after the military left. We were still there right till the end, 75. And this is a book um, people have told me it's not a war story. It's a love story in time of war. It's the love of Cheryl Flynn, who works for the Department of Defense, and uh, Billy Dobson, who works with Air America, work, which I worked for. And it's the two of them and, and their love affair at the time the Vietnam is just falling apart, and it goes right down to the end in 75. And then I wrote a uh, another novel. I wrote my background. I had spent uh, 11 years in a Catholic seminary, including two years in Rome during the Second Vatican Council. And I wrote this little book called Mikey's Quest for Father God. And uh, it's about a young boy who finds out that one of his uncles is an atheist, and he finds that out on Facebook, and he goes to, he's a, in eighth grade at a Catholic school. He goes to his father and asks his father, uh, how can that be? We're Roman Catholics. And his father says, well, three of my brothers, your uncles, are atheists. And he gives, his father is an editor of a newspaper, Daytona Beach News Journal, and he gives his son, Mikey, uh, um, an assignment. 
sends them on a quest to interview people who believe and or don't believe in God and find out why. And I call it a joyous romp through my theological and philosophical past. And it was a lot of fun to write. And then I just finished my fourth novel, The Barge of Curiosity, which I love. And it's a lifetime, lifelong love affair of three people, two young girls and a young boy who meet in first grade. And they're in love with each other. Well, actually, two of them, the girl, Peggy, and the boy, Mark, are both in love with Sandy. Sandy is the center of this whole love affair. It's their whole lives. And I loved writing it. I took them to Italy. I took them to Ireland. Uh, and I just enjoyed writing about these three people and their whole life together, uh, which was fun. And I've done one collection of short stories, Kiss Me Kate, which I wrote uh, right after finishing Brooklyn Boy. And I'm about to publish another collection of short stories called The Committee and Other, and Other Stories. Anyone who's lived in Florida or in any area with the Homeowners Association, they have rules. And there's always people in the uh, living in the area who become self-appointed uh, guardians of the rules. And they're funny sometimes because they're so annoying. But the, the committee is about one of those situations, which is kind of a, a great little story. Um, the hero of the committee is a one-eyed dog, and I actually have a one-eyed dog, and he's the picture on the front cover. But that, that's not out yet. That'll be out in a few months. So that's basically, basically my background, uh, Sherry. That is wonderful. I can't believe how many stories you wrote. <laughs> it's just great. It's really wonderful. And now you are also involved in a – what, what would you call that group you're involved, like a reading group? It's, or uh, Michael, What exactly is Michael that Ray you were telling King. me about? Michael Ray King is a local uh, promoter of literature. He's, uh, he's a writer, he's a publisher, he runs classes, and he conducts a uh, monthly event that he calls the Inspired Mike. He started, oh, maybe six or seven years ago. I'm not really sure of that. But on one night of the month, the third Thursday of the month, the group meets, and uh, anyone who, it's not, it was originally just writers, but it's expanded a bit, but it's mostly writers, and you read from your work for seven or eight minutes, and there's usually 16 people performing each month, and it gives you a chance to uh, read from some of your work to to an audience, and this coming Thursday, I'm, I'm reading, uh, taken from my new book, The Barge of Curiosity, but instead of just reading from the book, which I normally do, I'm going to discuss how sometimes your characters, and I've heard this from many people, not, not just myself, that your characters surprise you. Things happen that you don't expect. Things are said that you say, wow, where did that come from? I think the two best lines in The Barge of Curiosity happened without me knowing it, even though I wrote them. It, it's hard to explain, but I sat back and said, wow, where did that come from? And I think they're the two best lines <laughs> in the book. But anyway, uh, um, I'd be glad to tell you about them or anything else you want to talk about, but it's, it's fascinating. But the group is good. We meet once a month, and we meet at a local restaurant, and uh, it's been very successful. That's, that's really great. I, I I don't know if there's any other groups like that, but I'm sure there is. And if you can become part of a group like that, I, I just think that's really inspiring and really gets you going and thinking about being an author. I mean, I just hear you talking about it, and it's, I can't believe how many stories you probably get from other authors and the things they've wrote about and 
how they've written them, and it's it's just inspiring. It really is. Um, tell if you want to, want to, you can tell us a little bit about that surprise you got writing. He's still there. Oh, Jim, I think we lost you. You might be on mute. I'm not sure. Anyways, we're just waiting to see what's going on here. Um, Jim Farrell is with us tonight. He was talking about his published books, his four novels, and how he's involved in Inspired Mike, which is a group of people who talk about their stories and their books and wonderful things that have come out of writing short stories and novels and books in general. And he is coming out with a new book called The Barge of Curiosity. And I know he was going to talk about that, but I'm not sure if he's still with us. Jim, I don't know why I can't hear you. If you're on a cell phone, I'm wondering if you hit the mute button. (laughs) Sometimes that happens. If you want, you can just try calling right back in. Jim, I don't know if you can hear me, but if you want, you can just try calling right back in. And or just interrupt me if you can. Um, at this time, I don't hear you. Well, everyone, like this is live show business, and sometimes you have some technical difficulties that happen. Um, I'm not exactly sure what's going on at this moment, but we're talking to James Farrell. Um, he has published four novels and is working on a series, a collection of short stories, um, Kiss Me, Kate, which contains the wonderful story of Diorama. Um, He has published the four novels, which is Brooklyn Boy, The Extraordinary Banana Tree, Mikey's Quest for Father God, and The Barge of Curiosity, which is really great. Um, He goes to these open mics um, called Inspired Mics down in Florida. That's where he resides, and he... Gets to go to these groups. It's, it's pretty neat. I wanted to learn more about that and how much they talk to each other and talk about their short stories and the books they've written. James has been writing uh, books for a very long time. Um, he started writing Brooklyn Boy, I know, for quite a few years. It took him. And he published it, and it's great, and he's getting a lot of positive feedback from most of the books he's written. And you can find him on, I believe it's on Amazon. Yes, I'm Jim, back, are you Sherry. there? Yes, I am. Somehow oh, we got cut are. off. But I'm back. Yes, sorry. Okay. Where no, did I fine. Where did I, I disappear? <laughs> the last thing I did I finish that little story it, about the... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Did I finish that little thing How the where that line came from? No, no, you just got done talking. The last thing I heard is you said if we ha- wanted to find out more about what happened during the book of the barge of the curiosity ah okay um, the line yeah <laughs> what, what, what i'll do this i won't do the whole thing over again but i'll do it quickly at the beginning of chapter five and it's one of my favorite lines 
Sandy Roberts, who's the main character, uh, opens the chapter by saying, can you love all your children equally and yet love one more than the others? And she talks about that sounding like a paradox, but she's talking about her daughter, Maddie, their firstborn and how special she is. But then what the line that hit me was at the end of the book, three pages from the end, Maddie is now an adult, has a daughter, Alexandra, and uh, she's at her mother's house, which is Sandy is now the grandmother of Alexandra. And Sandy says to Alexandra, you have the most beautiful face. And Alexandra says, I look like you, Grandma. But then the line that came out next, which I never expected, was, can you love all your grandchildren the same and yet love one more than the other? It's that same line, but now applying to grandchildren. And I never thought of that until it, it happened. The other thing wow. in that book that amazed me, the other one in that book which was neat is Sandy Roberts and Mark Tuttle have been in love since they were six years old. They met in first grade. Mark has always loved her and always will. There's also Peggy Mayhew, who also loves Sandy since first grade. So there's this sort of little love triangle. But Mark and Sandy get married. They're on the honeymoon. They're in a sissy. And they're staying at a little uh, inn or diner or hotel where they have common uh, meals. So you just go to a table, sit down, and they serve the same food to everybody. It's like a pension. And they end up sitting with a couple and their children, husband and wife, four children from uh, Verona. And they're at the hotel having dinner, and they have a six-year-old son. And he falls in love with Sandy. And while they're eating, they're sharing. He keeps moving closer and closer to Sandy so that at dessert, they're actually sharing their, their fruit together. And Sandy turns to him and says in <laughs> Italian, what's your, what's your name? And the little boy said, and this I never planned. The little boy said, Marco. In other words, Mark. And she turns to Mark and said, how many people have two six-year-old Marks fall in love with them? But um, I never planned that. I never planned that this little boy would be Mark and he would be the second Mark who fell in love with Sandy when he was six years old. It just, it amazed me that it happened. Yeah, no, that was never planned. No. (laughs) I was just, I had him all eating, and I asked his name, and he said his name was Mark. And I said, my God, how did that happen? (laughs) Now, do you you have people pick up on these things, these little things that you discovered while you were writing? I hope they do. Maybe maybe they just know. They probably don't realize because they're just reading it but not realizing that it was a surprise to the writer. Uh, it's just to them, it's just a, a coincidence or a nice line. But the fact that, that Sandy would say to her granddaughter, Alexandra, about her, can you love all your grandchildren the same but yet love one more than the other, which is the exact same line that I had used five months earlier when I was in chapter five talking about her children. And uh, it's just surprising, but it was fun writing that. I did in the latest book, in The Barge of Curiosity, there's a lot of uh, introspection. A lot of the characters, the the one, the next to the last chapter is called Molly, uh, Maddie's soliloquy, where she just, the whole chapter is just her thoughts, her thoughts about her life and and her parents. And uh, I loved writing that chapter. And there are, parts when when they're on their honeymoon and they're in Florence there's three or four pages which is just uh, Sandy thinking about out loud about 
their life together and how amazing it is that these two little kids from Coventry, Rhode Island are now in Florida as a married couple. And uh, just her mm-hmm. thoughts out loud and the noises she hears and they speak Italian, so they un- she understands. And there's a couple fighting in uh, in the alleyway down below and she's listening to them and wondering why they're fighting and wonder what's happening and wonder if she and Mark are going to be like that someday. And it's just, it was fun writing it to these thoughts. Oh, right. Now, have you, are you from Rhode Island yourself or? No, Brooklyn, Brooklyn boy. Uh, I lived in, when I came back from Vietnam, uh, I lived in Rhode Island. So that would be 1975. I lived in Rhode Island from 75 to 2013 when I came down to Florida. So I've lived more in Rhode Island than anywhere else. Uh, But I was born Mm -hmm. and raised in Brooklyn. Right, right. And that's what um, where you wrote your first novel was from Brooklyn Boy. Was that based on you yes. as well? or? Oh, yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Boy. It's me on the cover of the book, a little boy standing in Brooklyn in a snowsuit. Oh, it's you. Three years old or four years uh-huh. old. Yeah, on the cover. And it's, uh-huh. it's not an autobiography, but it's based on my life growing up in New York. But it's fiction. There's no Anita Sanchez, who's the main character, main female character in the book. She never existed. Um well, that's not quite true. It's, it's in my grade school class, there was a young Puerto Rican girl named uh, Matilda Olivero, and I've tried to get in touch with her, but I, I'd have never had any, any luck. But uh, she was just a friend, nothing more, just a friend. But in the, in the book itself, she becomes the main love interest of little Brian. They're kids, so it's very innocent love. But uh, one of the main scenes, they're on the eighth grade picnic, to ride Playland. We used to go up on a, a boat up the Hudson River every year to ride Playland. It was a school outing. And on this outing, he ends up spending the day with Anita Sanchez, which to him is just pure heaven. And she offers him her Oreo <laughs> to share her Oreo cookies. And I said, what greater love has any man to give, share his Oreos with a friend? But they spend the day together. And they're on the roller coaster at Rye Playland. And when they're at the top, it stalls just letting people on and off at the bottom, but it stops up there and they're sitting up there and that's when they really fell in love. Uh, he kisses her and realizes he loves this girl and she loves him. And, but then life intervenes and a lot happens and, and his mother has no, wants no part of it. Uh, and they're only in eighth grade, but it's, uh, it, it, I think it's wonderful. And in the end, do they ever get back together? Well, you have to read the book to find out, but it's, uh, he feels betrayed at times by the way his, his mother prevented him from spending time with Anita, Anita Sanchez. But it's, uh, I love one scene. They're coming back from Long Island. They spent the summer down in Long Beach. They're coming back to Brooklyn, he thinks. And instead of going to Brooklyn, they go to uh, Staten Island. His parents had decided to move and get out of Brooklyn during that summer, but they never told him. So all of a sudden, he's on the Staten Island Ferry, which the old Brooklyn Ferry doesn't exist anymore. Now there's the Verrazano Narrows Bridge there, but there used to be a Brooklyn Ferry. And they're on the Brooklyn Ferry, and he's standing outside, and he's looking back at Brooklyn, and he's crying. And he realizes he'll probably never see Anita again. Everything he loved in Brooklyn is, is gone. He's, he's never going to see the Dodgers. He's never going to see Ebbets Field. He's never going to see Prospect Park, all of his friends, and especially Anita. He's never going to see again. He's standing on the front of the ferry crying as he's floating away from Brooklyn. And I loved writing that, but I even cry sometimes because it was so sad. And 
he felt betrayed by his parents that they didn't even tell him, didn't give him a chance to say goodbye oh. to Anita, and uh, his mother didn't want him to. Uh, oh. This is very sad. Oh, I can just imagine being. Now, how old is he at that time? Thirteen. Just wondering. Eighth grade, yeah, Ooh, thirteen. That's yeah. a rough time. That's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then they go, they go uh-huh. I don't want to ruin the book in case people read it, but they go, his father realizes how devastated he is and how upset he is. And uh, his, so his father takes him back to Brooklyn the next day to the old neighborhood. Now, we know that Anita's family has moved that summer, too, out to Mineola, Long Island. And she went over to the house where Brian's lived because they're away for the summer, and left a note there, a letter for him. But the owner of the building found this note and just threw it in the furnace. So they go back to Brooklyn oh. to try to see if this, uh, they find out Anita is moved. The phone number is disconnected. Uh, she didn't leave any notes or anything. She did, but it was thrown away by the, the man who owns the building. He just thought it was junk. Uh, so they've he can't find her. And so they go back to Staten Island and he's just devastated. And one of the lines I loved, his father says, don't be mad at your mom. She thinks she was doing the right thing. And he says that I'm not mad at mom. I'm mad at both of you. And uh, they betrayed him. But will you know, his life goes on, but will he ever meet Anita again? Uh, He tries to find her, but he can't. Uh, Maybe he does. I won't tell you the ending. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I, it, it is sad. It I is love sad. sappy uh, stories, though. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it, you it's, should read Book and Boy. So much emotion <laughs> I could tell went into this yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did, and oh. it's uh, uh, it's a lot of good things in it. And... I see. I I mean, a lot of your books are very um to me I haven't read them. I I not yet. But I do know that a lot of them you put a lot of emotion, a lot of like human feelings into your stories and you you must be this really wonderful guy to just know to come up with this stuff and put it down oh, on paper because you. you must um, really understand people <laughs> to do that. My my younger son, I have two sons. My younger son He's the merchandise manager for the band Fish, P-H-I-S-H. I don't know if you know of Fish, but they're very big, oh, yeah. Grateful Dead. I went yes. to one Fish concert yes. with him, and uh, I don't know if I'd want to go to one. I like their music, but the concert was loud. But anyway, he told me <laughs> that when he was reading The Extraordinary Banana Tree, he cried for the last 30 pages. And I said, wow, that's so good to hear. He said it was so wonderful, so emotional. It's the, it's the fall of Saigon. Uh, I, I, I was going to tell you what one writer told me, but I can't because it'll give away too much. But she yelled at me for killing off somebody. But I said, it just happened. I didn't do it. Um, but that story opens up. It, I don't know if you remember. You're probably too young. But when Saigon fell, uh, we the military left in 1973. From that point on till the end, it was, you know, we were – we had advi- not advisors. We had the embassy personnel and so on, but no military. And the North Vietnamese just came, and we had no soldiers there. With Nixon had left office, Jerry Ford was in charge, and there was no way we were sending soldiers back. And the country fell. 
But the uh, Jerry Ford sent in a C-5A, which is, I think, the largest airplane ever, huge military jet. He sent it into Saigon uh, to bring out orphans, uh, parents, uh, fathers, Americans, mothers, Vietnamese girls. They were in orphanages, and he knew when the country fell, these kids would be would be killed. It was just not acceptable. So he sent over a, a huge jet, C-5A, to bring out orphans out of Saigon. And when the plane left Saigon, it actually, true, crashed south of Saigon. Uh, half survived, half died. It was a terrible tragedy. But I opened up the book where Cheryl Flynn is the lead female character. She works for the government. She's in intelligence. She eventually meets and her love interest is, is uh, Billy Dobson, who's with Air America. But she's on that flight. It's a couple of months before the country actually fell. She's on the flight as a, um, uh, not a sponsor, but a, a chaperone for these kids leaving Saigon, which was the, the actual case. We see her getting on the plane. The plane takes off. This is the beginning of the book, and the plane crashes. And you don't know until near the end of the book, because then we go back in time to follow Cheryl, how she got to that point in time and how Billy got to that point in time. And we don't know until near the end of the book, if she survived that crash or not. When we get back to that point in time, after we go back to their past lives. And uh, it's very emotional. Uh, like even her parents at home hearing the plane has gone down and Cheryl's on it and they think she's dead. Uh, and it gets very emotional. Wow. Because you get to love Cheryl when you're reading the book. Right, right. I just, I feel like in, in your stories, there's a main character that always sticks out we're just going to fall in love with <laughs> and feel part of and feel emotion. <laughs> I think is, so. Is I Kiss really Me think Kate so. I think like the, that too? Well, Kiss Me Kate's a collection of short stories. Uh, okay. Oh, right, right. Yeah. So it's different. But one of the stories in there, I've been told by so many people it's just a classic it's called the diorama and i won't tell you the outcome but it's about a woman whose uh, parents are living with her they had been living in florida they come up to rhode island they're living with her and they both pass away they're elderly and they both pass away and someone jokingly says they had built on an addition to their house with a glass window separating their dining room from the actual kitchen where her parents were and uh, someone suggested, why don't you get, jokingly, wax, make wax figures of the two of them so they could have like a living exhibit there of grandparents. And she decides to do that. And she goes to Tussard's Wax Museum in New York, hires a, a sculptor in wax, and she has wax figures made of her parents, which is kind of weird. She has them, and then she starts changing their clothes so that they're dressed Right for the different holidays, and she feeds them new oh food my every night. So they have yes, and it's just this story builds it. And uh, one of the grandchildren at one point says, "Grandma, they don't do anything." And she says, "Yes, they do. They do it very slowly, though." Uh, but it's <laughs> the ending to that story is so bizarre. Uh, I've had people say that I'll never forget that story. But it's uh, the diorama. It's one of the stories in Kiss Me, Kate. Uh, there are a few in there that are very good, uh, different. Now, Kiss Me, Kate is, is the yeah, title story. Great. Now, Jim, we have about two minutes left, and time just flies whenever I talk to you. Yeah, it's, um, could, 
Yeah. Could you tell us where they could find your books? Oh, they're all on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Yeah, Amazon.com. Just put in Jim Farrell and all five books pop up. Funny story there. When you put in Jim Farrell, all my books come up, but also a book called The Daughters of Jim Farrell. So I bought it. (laughs) And I've got to know the (laughs) author. I I talked to the author. It's a good story. But all my books come up, and also Barnes & Noble, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, they're not carried in the stores at Barnes & Noble, but you can order them in any store or order them online, and they'll get it for you. That's great, because I, I actually have you listed as James Farrell, and I should have asked you. That, that is my name. Me, my can... name is James, but I use Jim in the books as the author. We use Jim. Okay. I, I, you know, I might just change that for you if I can. I, I will definitely try so people know exactly, to, you know, if they want to look you up again, they'll see it's Jim Farrell. So mm-hmm. <laughs> just to make sure. So, but Jim, I just want to say thank you so much. And if people want to go to your website, is it www.jimferrellauthor.com? Is that yes, the website? All one word. That's the website. Okay, Oh, that's awesome. So they're all right there on your website. It's probably the easiest thing yes, to do. Yes, and, 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 and the link right to Amazon for all five of the books. If you want to buy one, just, ah, that looks good. Boom, hit the link, and you're right on Amazon. Oh, awesome. That's perfect. So www.jimferrellauthor.com, and you'll be able to find yep. out all about him and all about his books. That's great. Jim, yes. thank you so much for being with us, and we hope to have you again on our show as things progress. And Keep in touch with me, please, because I'd love to have you come back again. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. You're welcome. Everyone, you have yourselves a great weekend coming up. And if you're in the Northeast, keep warm. It's very cold out tonight. <laughs> so hope everyone has a great night. Jim, thank you so much. You have a good night as well, and we'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. And thank you to all my live listeners tonight. Have yourselves a great night. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sherry Clip. For more information, visit us online at www.briansherryshow.com or facebook.com forward slash sherry.clip. See you next time. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 